Hello, heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your host and game master. And heroes, this week we have a real treat for you because we're going to be presenting Descent into Midnight. Now, this game was designed by friends of the show Rich Howard and Ritz Cruz Landry. In addition to that, it has an amazing development team. For those that don't know, Rich Howard has been a dear friend of mine for years and years and was an extremely early supporter of the One Shot Network generally. And one of the things that really gives me joy about this game is seeing him find so much success within the gaming industry. He's an unbelievably kind and enthusiastic person. The other thing Rich is, is a marine biologist. And the game that he and Rich Groots Landry put together is super weird. The premise behind Descent into Midnight is that you're playing as undersea creatures on an alien planet that has had no contact with Earth and probably will never have any contact with Earth. So the type of life forms that you create just as part of character creation are truly inventive and bizarre. And one of the things that really drives the joy in a game of Descent into Midnight is feeling empathy for something that is so impossibly unlike you that perhaps it's difficult to wrap your brain around even the most basic concepts that make it work. On top of that, Descent into Midnight has some horror elements. And I think it's so strange and fascinating to play a game with a horror focus when a lot of people would consider the things that you're playing to be monsters. And the game manages to give you all the tools you need to build something that you'll completely fall in love with. I was so fortunate to have a group for this recording that was deeply into the idea of world building and obsessed with finding the strangest definitions for life. Now, we're featuring Descent into Midnight because right now it is kickstarting. They have been working on this project for years, and I'm so excited about what's already been produced. There's a quick start guide ready to go if you're intrigued by what you hear here and want to get started right away, and I know the book that's coming is going to be worth it. Now, with all of that out of the way... Let's get to the show. All right, heroes, let's meet our party this week. First off, we've got a voice that you are very, very familiar with. That is Mel D'Amato. Mm, hello. Darling, first up, I got to ask you, do you have any plugs? Uh, I'm looking for a job. Mm -hmm. This is good. Wait, when is this going up? Uh, this is going up, I think, in two weeks. Uh, I might have a job by then. I might not. Um, but you can always come hey, to Mel hi. with a job offer for My more money. My name is Mel. I'm a logistics professional. I have 10 years of experience in the industry, and I'm looking for an account management or project management position. And to get paid! I like and preferably with good benefits, because I need those benefits to survive. Yes. Uh, please help us out! Darling, we are about to play Descent into Midnight. I love this game. Uh, this is a very good, cool, and weird game that I can't wait to unleash on our audience. Uh, but to get us started, to get us in the mood for this game, I need to know what ocean creature do you pity most? Oh, boy. Anything intelligent. You know what? Anything uh, intelligent. I'm going to go ahead and say whales because they are one of the most hunted animals in the ocean still, and they seem to get kind of the worst end of things sometimes they get beached they get full of trash they they've got a lot of things dragging them down right now pour one out for the whales uh, next up we'll move on to another voice that should be very familiar to you that is darcy ross hello i'm so excited to be here darcy i'm excited to have you uh you are the first person who told me about this game <gasps> 
Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I've told so many people about this game at this point. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a game that is extremely up your alley. Uh, mm-hmm. So that makes sense. Uh, Darcy, is there anything that you would like to plug for the people? Absolutely. I have so many things to plug. So uh, I, I really love the weird, beautiful creatures that exist on planet Earth and seem too strange to be true. So uh, please follow me at all the places at Darcy L. Ross. So that's where you'll find me uh, tweeting about my favorite weird critters of the day. The other thing that's going on pretty soon is I work with Monty Cook Games, which makes wonderful, weird role-playing games that have uh, you know, stolen my marine biologist heart already. <laughs> and uh, we have a Kickstarter coming up. So it's for... Uh, Talus, which is a an old Dungeons and Dragons campaign setting, really big, really weird, and we are taking it to uh, both Five E and Cipher System. So you can find out more about that at uh, Talus P T O L U S Five E dot com. And I'm really hype. Oh, very <laughs> very cool, uh, Darcival. I got one more question for you, and that is, which ocean creature do you pity most? Uh, this will reveal me for the monster that I am. Oh, love this. But it's Tinafors. And now, this is no shade on Tinafors. Tinafors rock. They are beautiful, strange, rainbow-combed, translucent creatures that are perfectly capable of eating uh, everything that gets in their way, including each other. They're just big, weird, delightful, jelly-looking things. But a tub full of Tinafors, which is tricky to do, and you take them into a dark room... And you touch your little human fingers on their bodies, they will bioluminesce. They get tickled. And I pity them because I've tickled them and rounded them up because despite their ma- majesty, uh, they can be uh, really embarrassed by me. So that's why I pity them. Tina Fors. That's adorable. <laughs> I love it. What a vulnerability. <laughs> Darcy, the last time we played this game, you told me about the Aristotle's lantern, which was <gasps> yeah. something that I had not known about. And it opened my eyes to a very cool piece of the oceanic world. Um, and thank you for now sharing with me the Tinafors thing. <laughs> I just introduced uh, Ken Height to the Aristotle's Lantern, and he was horrified. And I just assumed that was a thing that he would know. Yeah. Uh, and what I didn't realize is how big they are. So Aristotle's Lanterns are these... Uh, interlocking plates that are how echinoderms eat things uh, and they're real fucked up and scary i assume this is not getting recorded because this is a weird i mean it is getting recorded oh no well uh (laughs) but what i didn't realize is i thought they were like octopus beaks which are little and you know tiny little beaks inside a big weird fleshy animal no aristotle's lanterns are big and horrible and like the majority of a sea urchin they're awful i love them um i we celebrated christmas down in florida and um because my my nephews live in tampa and we were walking along the beach and we found a sea urchin that had washed up and it still had its aristotle's lantern and i got to like pick it up and be like hey kids you want to see something cool (laughs) good carry it on pub full of tinafores and aristotle's lantern is the name of a band i am sure yep really really should be sorry is it a band or an album Ah, uh, well, I think Aristotle's Lantern is their album and Tupful Tinafors is the band. Actually, really, it could go either way on that. They both fucking rule. Uh, I'm going to assume that we got something, like, that we got what we needed in there. Yep. I didn't get to absorb that useful information, but James in the future, as he edits this, or whomever I hire to edit this, uh, will get that information. Let's move on to a new voice, I, I believe, to the One Shot podcast. And that is Corey O'Brien, right? 
Yes, that is me. Hello. Yes, I fucking nailed it. (laughs) Woo! First Got a name right! Yeah! (laughs) Corey, welcome to the show. Thank you. Corey, for those who have not met you, who don't know you, could you please uh, tell the people why they love you? Uh, The people love me because I am an authentic flesh and blood creature just like them. Oh, well, hmm, I'm already Mm -hmm. nervous. (laughs) I... I designed a game called Inhuman Conditions uh, with my partner, Tommy, and it's a game about uh, investigating someone to find out if they are a human or a synthetic robot creature. Mm-hmm. We kickstarted it a while ago, and we are fulfilling it now, and you should be able to purchase it fairly soon, but I don't know exactly when, because again, I am a fallible organic creature just like you. So you can go to robots.management in order to find out. That's a website. Robots.management is a real web address online. (laughs) And you can go there and sign up on a newsletter or download the print and play or whatever you want to do. And I'll jump in here and say, this game is very good. It is one of the best social deduction games. uh, I think that is out there because it's a really fresh take on the genre. So you should skedaddle very quickly and go find that there's another thing that uh, i think might excite my audience specifically that you do Corey. uh oh yes uh i am uh, the main writer for a game called monster prom oh shit (laughs) (laughs) nice which is a game about trying to smooch monsters uh first in a high school and in an upcoming game at (gasps) a summer camp yes yeah uh, yep, 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 yep. Yeah. And I also run a Swear of the Month Club, which Ooh. you can join at patreon.com slash better myths. Uh, um, that's extremely good. Every month I send you an essay about swears and swear related research. Wow. Uh, that's a yes. good deal. It's very difficult when I tried to hire a private investigator to uh, mm-hmm. look up swears for me. Wouldn't do it. Said go away. Yeah. Uh, Corey, before we move on, I need to know. Which ocean creature do you pity most? I pity the corals. Oh, mm. yeah, legit. Uh, I mean, really, ocean creature kind of implies that it's around. So. Oh, oh. Wow. Oh, too soon. <laughs> yeah. Start killing people in charge of corporations. <laughs> that's a joke, is it? Is it a joke? I we'll feel, find out. I feel like that's the apotheosis of this whole bit. So. <laughs> mm. Finally, we have the person who will be presenting this wonderful game to us. That is Taylor LeBrush. Taylor, welcome to One Shot. Hello, friends. Thank you so much for having me. Um, James, just a moment to to boost your ego. Critical Success was the first RPG podcast that I ever listened to. So this is oh, uh, wild. <laughs> a wild honor to be on your show. I'm so excited to have you uh, and, and to have you in this capacity. Uh, Taylor, uh, before we get into the game itself and, and, and what you mean to the game, uh, would you like to tell people about what you do and uh, maybe plug some of your stuff? I really absolutely would. Um, so I am Taylor LeBrush. I'm on Twitter at Leviathan Files. Uh, I'm also the host of the Game Closet podcast. We're an informal chat show with queer and LGBT plus folks in the tabletop RPG scene. Every uh, couple of weeks, I like to drop an episode with someone who's working on something, uh, whether that's a podcast, an actual play, a stream, uh, a game. Um, we've had archivists come on and talk about archival work uh, for RPGs. I like to make a joke that it's uh, an awesome way to produce hashtag content, but then I get to make a friend afterwards. Um, 
I, I really love that show. Uh, I also write a lot of micro games and lyric games over at riverhousegames.itch.io. Um, and speaking of killing the people who own corporations and are destroying our world and who have names and addresses, uh, you can go purchase the early access version of This is a Game About Fishing. Um, it's like doing a kickflip over a ramp, except instead of a skateboard, you, you have a shad wrap. Instead of a kickflip, you are doing crime. Uh, and instead of a ramp, it is the global uh, degradation of our ecosystem brought about by corporate capitalism. Um, and also, you are gay. So there's that. Those are all my plugs, James. Excellent. Uh, well, I am excited to dive into things. But before we do, there's something very important that I need to know. And that is, which mm -hmm. ocean creature do you pity most? The ocean creature, I was going to say whales, um, because four-time Academy Award-nominated Star Trek for The Voyage Home is my favorite movie. But since whales have been taken, I'm going to say polar bears, um, because of the rapid melting of Arctic ice. Uh, they are um, very quickly losing habitat, losing hunting grounds, um, and being forced to retreat uh, and, and be isolated on ice flows, and it's just a horrible situation. Interesting pick for an ocean creature, but... I'll buy it. Just they live on top of the ocean, James. <laughs> well, they're quickly becoming aquatic creatures. Yeah, exactly. there we go. Love that. We're getting spicy today. Taylor, please tell us about the very special game that is Descent into Midnight and the strange journey that we're about to go on. Descent into Midnight is an underwater alien game. Uh, it is a powered by the apocalypse game of a civilization on a planet where humans have not and will never set foot. It is entirely aquatic. I can't tell you much more about the setting of the game because we are going to create it at the table. Um, there is no default uh, canon setting for Descent into Midnight. Instead, uh, part of the fun of the game is creating weird ocean worlds and weird ocean species uh, as we play. So um, uh, all of us who are going to be playing this game are going to be creating uh, the aliens that we're going to be playing. We're going to be creating the world. Um, and we're going to be telling a story of community, emotion, togetherness in the face of an existential corruption uh, that threatens our homes and our friendships uh, and, and maybe even ourselves. It's a very fun game. <laughs> that is extremely <laughs> radical. A lot of cool themes uh, moving together in this. How do we get started? We get started by taking a look at our playbook. So everyone has grabbed a playbook. It is a Powered by the Apocalypse game. So we've got foldable playbooks in front of us all. We are going to be building our creatures. We did a little pre-work uh, ahead of the show where we picked out all the mechanics and fiddly bits. Um, but my favorite part of creating characters is actually that front page. I would love for folks to kind of go around and tell us uh, the playbook that they're playing. If they've picked out a name and pronouns, uh, please share that with us. Um, and then tell us a little bit about your alien creature. Um, so we have some options to choose from between looks, which are uh, how you look. This will dictate kind of like the what people might see or perceive if they look or sense your alien. Uh, gifts, which are special things that only you can do. Um, attitude, uh, which is self-explanatory, uh, and then your home, which will give us a little bit more of a sense of the world that we're going to be creating. Uh, one note, all of these homes uh, are together in our community. So think about how uh, your fellow players' looks and homes 
might uh, might interface with the lives of your uh, your player. So um, I'm going to go opposite around and steal the wheel from you, James Corey. Do you want to lead us in uh, going over your character's looks, uh, gifts, attitude, and home? Well, I am the seeker. All inhabitants know that the echo resonates within and through the physical world. You know, you being me that the echo they interact with is a tide pool compared to what's beyond. The far echo calls to you, a current carrying you to the echoes of other realities. Do you explore those realities for knowledge and insight, or do you draw on their strange perspectives to manipulate and control the inhabitants around you? Mostly the latter. Uh, Radical. (laughs) Hell yeah. My name is you can call me Hoon, and uh, I use they/them pronouns. My look is both gelatinous and genial, and I, I have a facility with both shape shifting and vitality absorption. My attitude is soft and loving, and my home is hydrothermal vents. Hell yes! So tell me, tell me more about gelatinous and genial. What does that look for your seeker? So. Uh, Hoon is a colony of bacteria that have metabolized um, waste polymers coming from an ancient mining apparatus or series of mining apparatuses Mm. left by some alien species that was using this planet to extract resources. So the oceans are sort of pervaded with these tiny molecules of waste polymers um and Mm. i am a a bacterium that's learned to metabolize those and turn those into body mass so i'm i sort of am like a like a combination between a a jellyfish and a network of plastic bags that undulates through the sea parts of me will like billow out like plastic smoke uh to Mm. form different uh shapes and I'm, but I'm, I'm genial as sort of a calming presence to these undulating plastic bags. The way that if you watch a plastic bag in the breeze, it can be sort of calming and, and, mm. and, and almost thought provoking, like looking at clouds or something like that. So that's what it means to be gelatinous and genial. Hell yeah. Darcy, do you want to take us next? Sure. Uh, so I will be playing the traveler. The Traveler is a playbook that says, Where many lives thrive within and around the cityscape, you have spent years, perhaps even centuries, studying the world outside. Whether as a scholar, trader, explorer, or bounty hunter, you have collected a lifetime of knowledge and experience and seen the best and the worst the world has to offer. So my name is uh, Cypunks. Uh, this is named after cypunculid worms, which are cypunculid uh, uh, snails, actually, which look like two building worms. Anyway, cypunk is a cool word, so I'm taking that name. We are uh, also colonial, right? So we are. Uh, our look is wending and crystalline because we are little creatures, mm. uh, basically too translucent to see, but we uh, precipitate min- minerals out of the water and create winding, strange crystalline tubes and, uh, and other structures that we can use to power our gifts, which are movement manipulation, which I'm imagining is uh, shaping ourselves into a shape that's useful for other creatures to sort of uh, move through the water more easily, and perfect recall, which is great for a, uh, a happy-go-lucky, 
naturalist explorer that that cypunks are. Uh, pronoun wise, it gets real complicated. So sort of all are acceptable. Uh, they them's great. We'll probably use we. Uh, but there's also many individuals involved, so all kind of pronouns are sort of fair game. My home is, I'm thinking, uh, somewhere, so you're in a hydrothermal vent. Uh, that's a great spot. Um, I want to know more about our overall city, but I'm thinking that I'm in a weird uh, uh, little little um, alcove that has maybe a gravity anomaly, which lets me grow in sort of all directions at once, uh, as opposed to having uh, the the feel of gravity pulling on me and, and having my crystalline structures grow a particular way. So I'm in a little like gravity alcove, I think, somewhere Very deep cool. under the water. That that's awesome. <clears throat> now these these worms, do they operate individually and then come together as a collective, or is there an overall like conscience to the mob? Yeah, they are most like kind of Portuguese man of war sort of things, right? So uh, if separated, they could be uh, could operate on their own individually, but they when they are together, which is how I will be playing them, they operate as a single unit, and uh, they very cool. Yeah, I I use a little manta ray looking thing to move around faster, so I'm sort of a I've got a skateboard, right? Yes, hell yeah, do some kickflips. <laughs> <laughs> and Mel, do you want to take us next? Yeah. I am playing the playbook of the touchstone. Corruption can never extinguish the wonder of life as long as life maintains hope. True, deep, and genuine compassion can transform not just a single life, but the world in which it lives. You are the innocent that befriends the grotesque or abandoned, the ally that reminds those around them that their unique gifts create a better world the stable friend providing shelter against the crushing tide of despair. And I'm taking that shelter part literally. I have drawn a creature that's kind of like a big snake friend with fin flippers, but on the back is a shell. And maybe that comes into play with you, Darcy. Yeah. I want it to be pretty much exactly like cat bus and i'll send you a picture taylor so you can see it their name is tupole their Ooh. pronouns are they them they look quaint and quicksilver they're very fast uh their gifts are perfect camouflage power negation and insightful deduction they are patient and their home is a brilliant vista very cool what do you think this vista overlooked i have a feeling if we're all creatures who know each other Maybe it's large area with the vents that you live in, and maybe the vents have also created some of the geothermal reaction that create your gravity hole. Mm -hmm. What up? Sorry, what are you? What are we calling it? We call it the gravity hole. It's the gravity <laughs> hole now. <laughs> You're welcome, I guess. But yeah, I think that it's a large valley that we see in the ocean, and Tupole just loves to swim around it and hang out with everyone in it. Oh, so sweet. I love Tupac. That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> James, do you want to round us out? Uh, yes, I am going to be playing the specialist. You're an expert at getting your allies in and out of dangerous or questionable situations with skill and grace. Whether rescuing the victims of a natural disaster, negotiating lethal hydrothermal vent field, breaching into a biotech security of an ancient civilization, or extracting psychic information from a coral hive mind, it's your job. So I am playing a character who I've named Chari. They have they, them pronouns. 
And they are essentially a collection of gray matter that sort of lives like floating in fluid most of the time. I think they used to be a lobster or perhaps an octopus and some very strange sort of toxic accident happened to them that reconfigured Mm. their DNA in a weird way. If they were a lobster of some kind, it got to the point where you know how lobsters grow on the inside and shed their shells and eventually harden into new shells. That happened except with the soft meats inside. Eventually, Mm. my brain grew to eclipse like all of the other organs to become the only thing that makes up this creature my gifts are phasing and biomass reconstruction so i'm Mm. essentially at a point where i 3d print my own body parts Mm -hmm. and i can segment myself off into different parts of myself uh but mainly what i do is live as a symbiotic organism with other things because it's just easier and more social that way I have a probing attitude, and my home is too many teeth. I think what I normally do where I like to sleep most is in the gums of toothed animals that have a gum disease, because I can sort of naturally fight that disease and help them reconstruct their gums. And it's just so warm and cozy in there. That rules. We're getting weird with it. Yeah! Yeah! I, I, I've only played this game once before, but I learned that you can get so weird. So let's do mm-hmm. it. Let's be weird. Hell yeah. What's your favorite thing to 3D print, James? Oh boy. Favorite thing to 3D print. I like to do tentacles. Um, because they're so much like myself, any that, that kind of squishy matter, it's very familiar to me, uh, sort of like the doodles that you'll do in, in a notebook. I think actually probably one of the weird things that that goes on with me when I eat something and take on biomass, if I go to sleep too early, like I'll, I'll print things in my sleep the way some people will talk in their sleep. So I'll, I'll maybe wake up around a bunch of jellyfish that I, uh, you know, sort of floated out of myself in the middle of the Mm. night. Hell yeah. Little dream jellyfish. So (laughs) that's, that's very wholesome. (laughs) That's super wholesome. Friends. Yeah. Y'all are talking about Descent into Midnight as like a, oh, this is a fishing about crying game or crying about fishing game. Listen, we've made this wholesome jellyfish producing dentist made out of brain. Yeah. <laughs> yep. We're, we're in it. Uh, so we are learning more and more about the world in which we find ourselves. I love these four characters. We are now going to create the uh, the community, the like quote-unquote setting of the world that that our story is going to take place so in front of you four you have a community playbook uh this community playbook we are going to be doing some fun stuff with it should have on it a couple shared corruption moves we'll talk about corruption when that happens that uh you may be able to choose from but the the thing that i would like everybody to focus on right now is the big empty space on that community playbook because we're going to be doing some drawing so i have some questions 
Yeah, it's going to be very fun. Um, we're going to answer questions, and then uh, whoever is going to answer the question is going to draw on our map what that looks like. Hell yes! So, I have eight questions that I'm going to ask, so that means that everyone's going to answer two. When you answer a question, say the first thing that comes to your mind. Lean in, be weird with it, like, let's go. It doesn't have to make sense. You just have to be able to draw it. We'll figure out how it makes sense later. I would like someone to tell me what the most defining feature of our home is and then draw that on the map. I think it's colorful. Ooh. Hell yeah. Got some of that bioluminescence nice. going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, th- I think that the, yeah, so... the stones that line the bottom of the ocean here are just all different types. And of course, the, the geysers have pushed different minerals up into the water as well. So I, th- I think we just kind of live in the rainbow. Yes. Love that. Please draw that on our community playbook. It's kind of a vague thing to draw, but I'm going to draw like a little <laughs> um, geyser with like a fucking rainbow coming out of it. Hell yeah. Nice. I would like someone else to tell me what we do for food in the community. There's a really rich stream of uh, delicious, delicious plankton that comes through in a, mm. in a nice little river, rivulet of uh, of water. And I think it's all green and it... Uh, adds even more color to this place that we live in. So there's a fresh uh, fresh algae stream buffet going on basically constantly. Nice. Yeah, so is that does that imply that most creatures in our community don't partake in the flesh of other creatures or It could or uh the the beautiful algae stream will also uh, bring to it fish and other kinds of creatures that are eating the algae so you'd just be preying on the, you know, uh, the the mm-hmm. cow-like things that are in this this field of grass, right? So I think it's up to you what you eat. Do you think we're all veggies? I mean, I certainly can't be. I mean, I, I could probably get by on plankton if I spread my biomass out enough. But I also like to hang out in the mouths of things that are clearly carnivores. Mm-hmm. So I, there, there's definitely got to be some, some non-veggie stuff going on. Mm-hmm. James, how does your species eat? My species is, I think, a too strong a word for for this thing. Because uh, that's very fair. How does your body? Yeah, eat? <laughs> um, I think it eats by sort of absorbs biomass from other things. So you know, there mm. there is like a lot of. Uh, Printing things off and and, and uh, separating off parts of its body and knitting it to another thing, but it can also do the reverse of knitting. So mm-hmm. if it were to lay on a creature's arm or or something like that, it could slowly take those cells and rewrite them to not be a part of that other thing, but a part of myself instead. That's very cool. But I normally oh. do it with dead flesh. You guys, <laughs> don't worry. I wouldn't eat you. <laughs> I'm your friend. Mm. Jellyfish dream. Sounds yeah, very convincing. <laughs> Darcy, did you draw your algae stream? I'm about to. We have a beautiful rainbow awesome. that I can build it on now. Nice. Corey or James, I would like one of you to tell me about a fear or anxiety that the community has. I am going to say that we used to be part of a more vibrant community. Uh, with other like collections of sapient creatures uh, across this ocean floor. And slowly mm. but surely, those have been disappearing. 
It used to be if you swam up to depths above us, you could look out over the ocean floor and it would look like stars in the sky with different communities of bioluminescent creatures that made their lives around these vents. Now, mm -hmm. the ocean floor kind of looks like a dull orange on a good day. Maybe one okay. or two communities left thriving, but the rest of it is just uh, incandescent rock that happens to be around the ocean floor. So it's as if the stars in the sky that made up our vibrant universe have been winking out one by one. And for me, Chari, I've just sort of noticed that a lot of people feel anxiety about that. Mm. Way to make it sad. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. <laughs> well, my follow-up question, Corey, is what is a joy or celebration that we experience in the community? Uh, I think that there is a, a, along the same route that brings the plankton and the algae, there is a migration that occurs once every year. Uh, a sort of festival where mm -hmm. a carnival of different creatures, some of which are specially adapted or evolved for, for traveling and in all these different colors with all these different professions uh, come through, pass directly through our community. And it's sort of like a jubilee. Everyone drops what they're nice. doing and they interact with this this carnival that arrives and there are, there are hucksters as part of the carnival and there are performances and there are services that you can't get anywhere else. Uh, but that's a thing that we look forward to year round. Awesome. Hell yeah. So James and Corey, I hope you are drawing these things or yeah. preparing to draw. I them. tried to <laughs> draw a lack of things and I feel like I did yes. about as good a job as I could on, on that one. Um, Excellent. I'll, I'll take pictures. Once they're done. I, I think a, another yeah. thing that I kind of want to uh, include in this is that perhaps it's not that uh, the prey creatures have dropped off so much from these communities. I, I think sapient creatures really like to not just uh, for food and whatnot, uh, collect bioluminescent creatures in their communities, uh, but they like to mm -hmm. do it aesthetically. Mm -hmm. um, Mm. And, you know, that's kind of something like a garden that you tend. Uh, but whatever thing has been sweeping through places has most has, has pretty much exclusively been targeting sapient creatures. Uh, so mm. the lack of bioluminescence is really because, you know, somebody's garden just kind of wandered away. Um, so there's an overabundance of, of food and things to eat, uh, but it's because there are any people right that's very cool so we are going to kill two birds with one stone on our next round of questions and love to kill birds yes absolutely um, this is a fish I mean, show now gotta eat <laughs> hate birds um <laughs> so instead of me coming up with the questions i would like uh everyone to look at their links on their playbook choose one that sounds uh particularly um zazzy or zesty uh for you um and then uh, ask it to the table. Uh, someone's going to volunteer to fill in the blank. So these blank these links are like blank saw me howling at the moon one night, and I don't know what they think of me anymore. So say out your link. Someone else, please volunteer for that link. And then let's draw kind of where that happened, or or some sort of symbol to represent that link somewhere on our community. 
I have one I'm curious about, uh, selfishly. Yeah. Um, I have, uh, I've seen someone with an item from my homeland. What is the item's significance and do they understand it? So I come from far away as a traveler, but I've, uh, loved to make my home amongst these constellation of lovely bioluminescent communities. Uh, but I came from elsewhere. Uh, who has an item from my homeland and what is it? I'll have an item from your homeland. I've drifted a very long distance. Nice. And I and I, I answer what it is. Yes. Great. Um, the item that I have from your homeland is a, a, a small derelict machine, uh, a, a self-replicating, um, almost microscopic factory. Mm-hmm. Um, which is part of the the, the mining apparatus, oh. which uh, which is kind of cracked part of the ocean floor and all of that. So I, I, I possess, yeah, a, a small machine which, if it were activated, would immediately start getting resources to create more of itself. Mm-hmm. But it is dormant. Mm. It's not unlike me, yeah. your friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Do you do you know what it is? It sounds like you uh, do, probably. Yeah, I, I know what it is because I've studied some of its mechanisms wow. uh, for my own continued survival. Cool. I was wondering why we, you know, you're down in the hydrothermal vents. That's kind of where I thought I would hang out. I think that's why I don't hang out closer to you. I yeah. think it freaks Ooh. me out. <laughs> yeah, well, and, okay. and I, I, I sort of envision also that the, the hydrothermic vent, that this hydrothermic vent may not actually be natural in origin. Oh. Yeah. That this is a hole that was drilled and now functions as a hydrothermic vent. Cool. Um, and so that's also part of why I'm there. Nice. Do you want to draw it, or should I draw it? <laughs> uh, I'm I'm doing it. Do Here it. we go. Go for it. But I'm going to use. You could draw. I'm going to use a less organic color. Hell yeah! You could draw a little thing next to the <laughs> vent I already drew. Ah uh, yes. Oh yeah, this is the vent. Yeah. Um, it's the rainbow vent, B- yeah. but the darker pieces of <laughs> yeah. it, perhaps, but down below. Yeah, maybe I'm gonna put vent. a big crack on the nice. side. Ooh, yes. sick, yeah. I just also want to point out that the darker pieces of the rainbow vent is absolutely the name of an album. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it absolutely is. <laughs> Aspiring right. musicians, these ideas are free. <laughs> They're just out there, and this crack maybe spreads by a few inches every year. Ooh. Oh, hell yeah. Get some of that color nice. out of space stuff in yes. there. Yes. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll ask a question. There is a spirit in the echo following one of you. What do I know about the spirit? And why haven't I told this person about it yet? That's the one that I got hit with last time. I was followed by a, a, a spooky specter and we had to like <laughs> figure out how to address it. Who, um, who wants to be haunted? I do. <laughs> Heck yeah. 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 I do. Um, I kind of think that uh, my creature is extremely terrestrial. Like, uh, I, I feel there's because there's like a lot of spiritualism in this game, like uh, at touching with, with souls and whatnot. I think uh, kind of ironically with uh, how amorphous my form is, uh, I don't have that or i don't have like that spiritual capacity and early on in its existence uh my creature had to consume gray matter of sapient things to like 
mm. add to its biomass before it sort of had refined its processes and whatnot. So I think I'm haunted by all of the things that made me what I am. Mm. Yes, that rules. That's very spooky. Why haven't you told me this? Yeah. It oh. seems like an important <laughs> thing to know. Um, Draw some ghosts. Yes. <laughs> I would say that I have not told you about this because I am a gentle soul and I don't wish to cause you anxiety. They seem to be more morose than hostile. They're following you, and it seems to me that they are waiting for you to do something that justifies you having taken all of their lives. I love it. And I don't want to put that existential pressure on you. And so instead, I sort of am watching you to see if you make yourself worthy of these spirits. That's great. I don't know if I would have the capacity to feel anxiety about that. (laughs) That's one of the terrifying things about me. <laughs> I should take that back. That's one of the things many people find terrifying about me. Then, <laughs> then, then here's, wh- here's why I haven't told you then is because I don't think telling you would make any difference. I feel like it's my responsibility mm. to make sure that you make something of yourself. Oh, that's very, very cool. Like kind of like a spiritual guide. Like I have... No connection to that spirituality. So you could easily be the being that helps me do that. That rules. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. All right. We still need two more links. Okay. I think I got one. Um, I'd actually like to propose directly to Darcy. Uh, Wow. (laughs) My God. I've just thrown it. (laughs) Is this a one shot first? (laughs) (laughs) Please say yes. Um, (laughs) Propose, propose. I think that Darcy's character taught me a lesson in compassion that I'm not soon to forget. What kept you from opening up and how did they reach you? I think that prior to being the bus of the valley, Tupole existed without structure, without uh, a goal. And they I don't think they had a shell prior to arriving in the valley. I think they were just kind of wild and free and... You showed me a level of compassion I'd never encountered before, and I've decided to pay it back in the ocean. And that's why I wear that shell to slow me down and help me remember the good things in life. I I feel like we went on a journey together then. Yeah. You know? And uh, what what's the part of the question? What what kept you from opening up, and how did I reach you? Yeah. I think we had a night where we. I feel like it's a. You know, the equivalent of a sitting around a campfire, you know, deep into the night, and maybe we lost our way a little bit, and so we're out there longer than we want to be, and uh, and we were visiting one of these nearby cities that should have been, mm. and it wasn't, and so we had to make sort of camp for the night and uh, huddle by a little bioluminescent garden that was slowly lo- losing its life, and uh, and so I think we talked about sort of orthogonally uh, about it, but forms forms that different things I had seen take and ways that you can shape your form. And through that sort of metaphor of how we build the roles that we want to have in our life, I think that that I think we had a night where I was making strange crystalline structures um, showing, you know, form after form after form of different interesting things that have had transformed themselves. And I, I think maybe that uh, inspired you to take on your own form. Absolutely. Aww. Oh, I accept. Your character's name. Yes, I'm Cypunks. 
Darcival, I am so glad that you painted that scene because my question, I, I, I think, fits very well with with the personality type of somebody who would have that kind of philosophical conversation. Mm. Uh, me and Cypunk spend significant time together discussing the nature of self. Um, I kind of think I am extremely singular yeah. and kind of without form and body. Uh, and you are multiple, but think of yourself as a single entity. Mm -hmm. And I'm really struggling to understand self in the way other people do. I, I think you're a clarifying opposite. So mm. I ask you a lot about your outlook and experience to try and get at something uh, that maybe I'm missing when other people talk about themselves and, and what they see as one thing. Because I think it's not exactly solipsistic. But I think I used to think of other beings as parts of me that weren't Ooh. currently a part of me. Where are the boundaries? Yeah. And it kind of, it might have in the past, that perspective might have led to a couple murders, mm -hmm. probably. Uh, so uh, changing that perspective, I think, was really key for me becoming a part of society. Or calling it into question. Yes. Like, <laughs> making that an active questioning process. That's true. That's true. I Ooh, don't know that that's not right. <laughs> did you uh did you ever incorporate any part of me? I'm a pretty wildly regenerative organism. Um I I mean I mu we must have at some point uh, <laughs> just casually. That's we haven't gotten to all the cool powers I have, Ooh, but that's cool. how some of them work. Interesting. All right. I love that. <laughs> that's an ongoing yeah. philosophical discussion between us. When friends really get to know each other, sometimes they incorporate parts of each other. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Some friends share clothes, some friends share jokes, some friends share biomass. Mel is a bus. <laughs> <laughs> Living my best life. Yeah. Living your Hell bus yeah. life. Bus yeah. life. Ooh. <gasps> All right. How are we doing on drawing? I think it's I think we're done. good. Yeah. Nice. Excellent. Let me take a picture uh, for you. So wait, hold up on taking the picture because there's going to be one more thing that I ask you to do to the map before we start playing. Okay. Um, and that is we are going to be placing harmony tokens and corruption tokens. So we are going to choose parts of our community uh, to be more harmonious than others. And we are going to be choosing parts of our community that will be a little bit corrupted. <laughs> so I would like for everyone to mark four boxes on one track and three boxes on another between harmony and corruption on your playbooks. Oh, damn. You going know? in. Because it's a one-shot. We're going to go in hot. fast and loose. Four Woo! and three? Wow. Four, four and three. Four so you can choose which one you want to be four and which one you want to be three. And then uh, I would like folks to get two tokens that are of like one color, two tokens that are of another color. One pair of tokens is going to be our harmony tokens. One pair of tokens is going to be our corruption tokens. I'm helping. What is a butt? <laughs> a miserable <laughs> pile of secrets. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So once we have our pairs of tokens, I would like everyone to grab one token and put it somewhere on the map and then tell us why. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely putting a corruption token on this huge crack in the side of the thermal vent, which is growing every year. Mm-hmm. Because it's um, a huge crack on the side of the geothermal vent that's growing every year. <laughs> Perfect. Fair, fair. Uh... I have no follow-up. All right, what you got there is a big crack on your geothermal vent. It's growing every year. 
and it's just going to keep growing. So yeah. that that would be a corruption, I you, would call you that. You can't fill that in. But <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. It's going to cost you. <laughs> uh, I'm going to put a harmony on the little festival we've got. Yay. Hell yeah. It's just a, it's a good time for everyone, and it's, it's a time of peace and enjoying oneself. Uh, I am going to yeah. put a corruption on the big parade of ghosts here. <laughs> <laughs> I... I think uh, maintaining uh, sort of a spiritual health is actually extremely Mm -hmm. important, which is one of the reasons that spirituality is like kind of a big thing in this big, weird ocean. Uh, So those souls have just been sort of flapping in the wind, unable to die, which is bad. Good. (laughs) I love flapping in the wind, unable to die. The millennial experience. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) I'm going to place a corruption token on uh, one of these nearby little constellations of a community. Uh, It was one that was very nearby. They were going to come to the the big jubilee. Uh, They're sort of our sister city um, and not very far off. And overnight, it seemed everyone was gone. So Mm. it is going dark very quickly. To my count, that's three corruption and one harmony. Did we lose? No, that's that's right. that's there are four people. Not. Yeah. Am I sp- we should have had two and two, but I'm happy with okay. three and one because it means that things are going to go to shit a little bit faster. <laughs> um. So, yes. Hell yeah. Please send me that picture. On its way. <laughs> I'm taking us down. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> down, down I come into one shots ready to die. <laughs> Just excited to die. Die beautifully. Hell yeah. We're like trash. Uh, one note, as we fill our trackers, we're going to be adding more tokens to the map. A harmony token can cancel out a corruption token, but it doesn't work the other way around. You can never get rid of harmony. Um, harmony and corruption can coexist if you place a harmony token in the s- or a corruption token in the same spot, uh, but you can never get rid of that harmony. Hell yeah. Tight. So we, we have our world. Uh, we have this world of color uh, of colorful stones of colorful vents of colorful algae streams of colorful festivals of colorful people that live in this world uh, that are disappearing and as they disappear uh, we we notice their disappearance uh, like the disappearance of stars in the sky Um, and as our world becomes more and more monochrome uh, we we find our characters um, in the ocean on a journey to investigate a place that has stopped speaking to us. The ceremony is here. All of the different factions and and traveling people and friends from around the ocean uh, have come to us with the exception of this this community, which has gone silent. Maybe they're late, but they've never been late. Um, Maybe they're gone. Uh, Their colors don't mix with the colors on the bottom of the ocean uh, as everyone else's do. And so I, I think it's a good time now to stand up, shake out, um, kind of reset our brains, and we're going to get ready to play Descent into Midnight. Yeah! yeah.
Hey heroes, it's James. Welcome to the mid-roll. We're going to get ourselves started off with a radvertisement uh, from one of my favorite radvertisement sponsors, and that is Designing Games That Matter. It's a four-day intensive workshop with Avery Alder in Nova Scotia, Canada, May 15th through 19th at the Tata Magoosh Center. Folks, you should have gotten excited as soon as you heard the name Avery Alder. Avery is the designer of Monster Hearts, which you probably very recently heard on Critical Role and years and years ago heard on One Shot. Avery has designed some of my favorite role-playing games, period. And she, along with a bunch of other lovely people, is running an intimate retreat to dive deep into designing games that are meaningful, dynamic, and transformative. You can find out more details by following the link that we've posted in our show notes, but be sure to do that soon. The deadline to apply for bursaries is March 30th. And forgive me, I'm about to say a word that I've only read and never spoken aloud. Priority is going to be given to BIPOC, and I, again, I don't know if that's the right term. It might be BIPOC uh, and queer folks. So if you're a marginalized designer or thinking about getting into design, this retreat wants you. Once again, you can find out more, tatacenter.ca, or by following the link in our show notes, once again, this is for Designing Games That Matter, which is a four-day intensive with Avery Alder in Nova Scotia, Canada, May 15th through 19th at the Tata Magoosh Center. A huge thanks to Designing Games That Matter for sponsoring us. I really hope some of our listeners out there, I really hope some of our listeners out there attend. Again, I have been so influenced by Avery's designs just by reading them. I find the chance to actually work on games alongside Avery to be so exciting. And I can't wait to see all the innovation that's going to come out of this workshop. Heroes, I'm going to take a quick moment before we get back to all the adventures of the undersea oozes and goblins and weirdos that we've created to remind you that the Descent into Midnight Kickstarter is ongoing as we speak. So if you are enjoying this episode, head over to Kickstarter, search for Descent into Midnight, and see which level you might want to back them at. I love everyone on the creative team behind it. It's such a cool game, and I would really like to see it succeed. I mean, it's already funded, but I would like to see it succeed more. Finally, we're going to take a quick minute and thank some of our backers on Patreon. Caleb Valdez, thank you so much. David Waters, thank you. Dylan Becker, thank you very much. Orion Gilliam, thank you. Joshua P. Weber, thank you so much. Daniel Joseph Moreau, thank you. Jonas Nordstedt, thank you very much. Dylan Comer, thank you. Jazz, thank you very much. Ryan Richardson, thank you. And Kathleen Bader, Thank you so much. Thanks again to everyone who supports us on Patreon. You make this network possible. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get back to the show. So let's do this fish game. Hell yeah. Let's, let's do, do this, this game, game about sad fish. Um, <laughs> Soon to be sad. Yeah. Fish. Soon to be sadder. We could be happy fish if we needed to. Not a fish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think any of you really are fish, maybe. <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of. You're pretty you're no, the closest. I'm probably more like a large mammalian. Mm, aquatic mammal, yeah. 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 You, you seem fish essent. Um, Fish yes, there's fins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There there's fins. Do you need to breathe air? Nah. Okay.
Air's overrated. Only suckers need air. Yes, we all know suckers, the the type of like floating. <laughs> air breathing, lamprey like. Yep. Yeah. Like a like a lamprey with hair. Bad. No, you made lamprey no, no, no. worse. Ooh, that's got a bad brain feel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doesn't no, no. it? Love it. You ever heard of psychic damage? I took psychic healing. <laughs> so yeah, we we find ourselves kind of midway through a journey to this community which has gone quiet. It's a community that has not shown up to the kind of annual celebration that we all have. Their colors are disappearing from the stones around us. The vents no longer um, sing their rainbow. Uh, we'll use that phrase. And uh, as we as we travel, we, we get close to the community where we would expect to see uh, a bright and shining uh, crystalline reef where crystals and stones grow um, as as corals do on Earth. But instead, we see something that disquiets us. Darcy, what do we see on the horizon where we should see crystals? Um, we see instead some exposure in the rock. So there's all these cool minerals around, right? We, we, we have these rich, um, different kinds of colorful stones. But uh, in places like where the crack is in the hydrothermal vent, where you have shorn deeply enough to uh, get past the surface that we are used to seeing, you see lots of like metallic um, sort of old minerals that, you know, were churned up in volcanic activity. So you get these dark red streaks and these uh, glints of gold and and silver from ancient metamorphic activity. And uh, and it has a, mm. it absolutely, it sort of soaks up the light very differently. So we see that there's exposures of the rock that shouldn't be. Yeah. And as this like dark metallic plume kind of settles down onto uh, this crystal reef, it, it, it like melts uh, almost like a ferrofluid. Um, so like you can tell it's metallic and it's it's tiny little uh, shards of this this metallic dust and this metallic ash, but it like drips almost like an oil. Hoon, what about this scares you? This This scares me because this is a phenomenon that I've seen before during my formation amongst the mining mm. implements, but I've never seen it nearly this close to the surface. The fact that it's made it up here is very upsetting. There does not seem to be enough color here. Go for it, Darcy. You looked like in the flash that I caught of your face. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, it looks like the wrong color. I've seen this elsewhere far, far away, but I cannot conjure any reason that this should be a fortuitous event. We should all stay close and go quietly. Tupole's just swimming. Nice. Mm -hmm. Tupole is an optimistic creature. Um, so they are currently just circling where we seem to have stopped to observe. You know, everyone's observing this. I glanced at it and kept moving. Yeah. So you're 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 bobbing along in in the open ocean. Some suckers float by, their hair flowing in the water. Suckers. <laughs> that's a that's a road trip game that we play. When you see suckers, you shout no. suckers. What happens if you shout it first? Mm -hmm. Do you get to like slap someone or No, they're 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 yours. Oh. By right. Oh, I see. Well, not exactly. That's the game we're playing in the context of the game. Indeed, they're yours by right, but for now we're going to let them pass on by, right? I believe Chari is contemplating turning them into biomass. Who's to say? It started with the game. I do know that's where the thought started. Tupel, would you mind swimming a little faster? 
can do. <laughs> oh, perfect. So you you get closer to this community, and it truly is just coated with this ash fall of ferrofluid. And you you see something that gives you a glimmer of hope that maybe the inhabitants got out. What is that that thing that you see? It's a big note that says, "We got out." Everything's fine. Love the inhabitants. <laughs> and actually, that fills me with fear. Yeah. I think that would fill me with fear. Uh, so th- that probably isn't it. <laughs> I, I like that idea that it's it's chiseled into a huge slab of stone. And it's... Yep. Let's lean in. You know, a naturally perfect script. Were the other communities that disappeared like this? Were they? I can usually roll to know about a phenomenon that's n- new, but I might have seen like like before. Yeah, let's have you roll for it. Tell us what that move is. That move is been there, done that. So uh, indeed, I've been around uh, something like this situation. So what have I seen in other communities? So I'm going to make a quick roll. I'm rolling uh, 2d6 plus hope, which is one for now. And that is only a six. So uh, on a hit... You would have to tell me something I understand about the phenomena, but I think this is distinctly unlike other communities I've seen, and I don't know what to make of it. Yeah. Could I pitch something to you, Darcy? Yeah. I think that you do actually get an answer, but it's an answer that's bad for you. Ooh, <laughs> I like it. What do you think is the worst thing that could happen here as the result of, of you finding this knowledge? And so the question was, uh, what were other communities like? Mm-hmm. I think the problem is that yeah as I'm as I'm investigating uh you know writing and scripts that have been left etched into stone you know the mm-hmm. usual you know safe here unsafe here markers other sort of uh, markings that they would use to sort of get around I think I discover uh sort of huddled behind one of these stones uh someone who would have left that engraving mm. and and it's someone worse yet that should have been from a different community this is this is an old friend of mine because I tend to have friends from all over. Mm-hmm. And so this is someone who I'd long thought dead and now I found either their their name here or some piece of them, but this only increases the mystery and makes me wonder what's what's hap- what's been going on. So could yeah. you turn that into a real answer? I definitely can <laughs> turn that into a real answer and I'll do you one more. Uh oh, you, thank you you find them huddled behind this rock, like them specifically, like your friend and they they have this ferrofluid over their bodies so it's not like they're entirely encased but it's it's maybe covering a limb um over one of their their eyes and their their mouth is completely covered they they look to you in fear at first but then in recognition uh and as they recognize you you can tell that they calm and this fluid is like molding around them but not growing and it it kind of has them stuck uh to the side of this this monument and also since you did roll a six minus i would like you to mark a point of harmony okay i'm imagining this uh friend as like a bottlenose dolphin looking thing but with a big hard nose part that they can use to sort of etch things Mm -hmm. um but they're being enveloped yeah enveloped by this this fluid what do you do i think i uh leap off my perch on my friend tuple here and zoom forward uh to get a closer look and to see if there's uh any ability for us to to help them out. Yeah, so I, I think you're zooming forward and, and you get kind of close and as you approach, you see the fluid kind of bubble up and reach out to you, uh, almost like the tube feet on a starfish. So like very tiny mm-hmm. 
little um, little pseudopods start reaching out as you you get closer. Ooh, interesting. What are the rest of you doing? I, th- I think that that causes me to slow for a second, but I still want to move forward. Mm-hmm. I I would like I would like to. I've I've sort of been drifting along in the wake first of Tupole and now in the wake of of Cypunks. Mm-hmm. I try not to use my own locomotive abilities whenever possible because it interferes with my general aura of chill. Same. <laughs> yeah. Um. But and so I've I'm, I've sort of been drifting in your wake, and as I as I arrive, I'm, I'm kind of half asleep. This is something that I maybe have, have deja vu of of having dreamed before, mm-hmm. and I'm going to attempt to redirect the current. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and, um, in in some ways, literally redirect the current right. by by yeah, changing yeah. the 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 waveform so that you're not directly in danger, and hopefully we can try and communicate with this thing instead in some way. Oh boy. So I rolled three. Good. Oofa doofa. Um, oh, wait. Plus calm. Uh, uh, minus one. Yeah. So, so two. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Things are not great for you, friend. Oh, no. You get close. Tell me what happens that makes you accidentally touch some of this goop. Uh, the fact that I am not using any of my own locomotive abilities, uh, and the fact that I'm 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 going in the wake of Cypunk, so I'm I'm assuming kind of jumped back to avoid mm. this, mm-hmm. has created a current which whips me forward into uh, the the ferrofluid. Yeah, so you like waft into it. And it, it feels at first like the normal way that you consume these like microplastics that, that float in your ocean uh, of these, these tiny microscopic polymers that are dissolved in the water. Um, and then it hurts very, very badly. And I would love for you to roll to resist corruption, uh, which is a roll plus the amount of corruption that you have marked. And you want to roll low. Can I use an ability at this time, or is it too late? Uh, you can do whatever you want to do. Tell me what it looks like. Uh, no, nah, I'm just going to get corrupted. Let's do it. Hell yeah. All right, I rolled six. Six plus, plus three, so nine. Nine? It could be worse. On a seven to nine, you stave off the corruption for now, but something inside you is unsettled, and I would like for you to mark a condition. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that I am conflicted. Mm. I am conflicted because this is a thing that I've seen before and has even in some ways helped me develop and gain sentience, mm-hmm. but which is clearly a threat to me and my friends now. I think Tuple would love to get involved. Despite being a big, friendly transportation animal, Tuple is also what I would like to use as a light in the darkness. Even with corruption seeping into your world, you never lose sight of the balance of nature. To you, the corruption isn't supernatural or alien. It's a part of the natural world and therefore can be redeemed. Mm. Once per session, when you clear a corruption, you may instead describe how you turn your efforts towards your surroundings and add a harmony token to a related element in your community map. I think Tupol wants to swoop in and grab both of you away from the corruption that's flowing through the waters right now. And Mm -hmm. I I would be willing to do that at the expense of touching it myself Yeah, because that would give me this opportunity. It sounds like you are risking your own safety to protect another. Yep. Hmm. Which is the trigger for defend another. So please roll plus altruism. Ooh. Plus zero. 
Ugh. We need to roll better. Fuck these dice. <laughs> roll the three. Fuck. Love it. Um, it's fine. So yeah. Oh goodness. Yeah. Yeah. You know um, the never-ending story in the swamp of sadness with the horse. No. How dare you? And I think you, you like. As you like bump them out of the way, and you have to be like careful because if you move Hoon too much, then their body is just going to dissolve into miscellaneous plastics. It's long enough for this friend of Cypunks to like reach out a hand trying to like reach you for help, but that hand gets a hold of your ankle and quickly this ferrofluid like climbs up your leg. Uh, mm. So I, I don't think that I'm going to ask you to resist corruption. I think you just mark corruption here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was part of that move clearing a corruption? Um, I was hoping to save them from the corruption and taking some of it on myself and then using the move A Light in the Darkness to resist. But I also like the idea of that just happens. Well, actually, since it does tie into that move, I think that that might be more fun kind of for the story okay. if we, we see what happens when you resist corruption because you have something special that happens with it. Sure. All right. I'm going to erase that little X for now. So I'm, I'm rolling to resist. Yep. Is that- but instead, when you, uh, when you are asked to resist corruption by the guide, use this move instead of the special move and roll plus hope. Mm. Yeah. So you get some extra fun stuff with, with a light in the darkness. Ooh. Oh, that's sick. Uh, uh, I rolled nine plus two hope, so that's 11. Oh. Nice. So the corruption gains no hold on you. Uh, and as this this like weird metallic quicksilver runs up your leg, and you said it uh, as part of our character creation, you are very fast. Um, mm-hmm. but, so it, it gains no purchase on you. Uh, and since you rolled a 10 plus, you or an ally may clear a corruption, and it's your choice. Does anybody feel like they're at risk right now? I mean, everybody's a little bit at risk, at least, because we all have three or four corruption to start. Right. I have three, so I'm fine. I have four. Would you like to clear corruption? <laughs> yeah, that yes. makes sense. So I think in seeing my friend down there, and so I'm on, on my big man- manta thing, I think I look like my tube looks like a big phonograph horn right now, mm. big horn. And I think the edges of my tube start building out and s- instead of being a nice smooth tubes, they start getting very uh, frenetic and ridged and chaotic. And I think you, in pulling me back, and uh, do you, do you, are you like full of light yourself? Like literally, are you... Do you just shine with the light of everything around you? It's like the- a party bus in there. <laughs> I want to know how party Disco bus ball. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, my description is quaint and quicksilver. I think that I like am shine. shiny. Yeah. I'm, I'm like reflect things in the dark, even when it seems completely dark. There's just little glints of any light that could be around. Um, but it's fast, kind of like a falling star. Oh, awesome. Uh, I think that that quick flash... Uh, jolts me out of the 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 encroaching darkness of seeing my friend uh getting eaten by this corruption thing and almost myself so i will clear that corruption thank you and if it's possible um one thing i would love to do is to try to free that person mm-hmm. or uh, animal from the hold of the corruption that they're currently trapped in and i would like to do this by swimming up high 
and then diving straight at them and coming to an immediate stop, sending a big whoosh of current directly at them in hopes of clearing some of it away so that they can get out of it. Yeah, and I think it just, it it blows that fluid back. They're they're buffeted by the water, but remain in place and, and they're, they're still have some of it on them, but for the most part, they are they're cleansed of of the majority of the goop. Sick, wonderful. It has it cleared their mouth. Can they talk to? Them? Yeah, I think it has. And they 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 speak in kind of this bubbling, clicking, very like high pitched language. They obviously start by thanking you and and very effusively just rambling about this ashfall and it's it's hard to get them centered in a place where where they can give you kind of a concrete answer as to what happened didn't you think they were dead for like a long time yes that's probably a node that we want to follow up on <laughs> is my guess <laughs> Well, heroes, that's it for One Shot this week, but don't worry. We've got more Descent into Midnight coming to you next week. In the meantime, be sure to check out other great gaming shows on the One Shot Network, like Asians Represent. Asians Represent celebrates Asian creators and diversity in the gaming community. Join hosts Agatha Chang and Daniel Kwan as they discuss gaming, genre, and representation with their guests and occasionally argue with each other about the sound of Agatha's beloved Airhorn app. As always, we end one shot with a call to action, and I remind you once again that this is an election year and you must register to vote. I recently had to re-register to vote for the first time in several years. My name was not on the voter records automatically. So even if you've registered in previous years, make sure to make a point to check your registration online, register as soon as you can, and get involved. We need everyone for this, so make sure you're registered and everyone in your life is registered. Thanks, heroes. As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best Best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. For the latest one-shot news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash oneshotpod, or look for news on the site at oneshotpodcast.com. If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at gamemaster at oneshotpodcast.com. One Shot is a production of the One Shot Podcast Network in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at paracosmpress.com. Finally, that music, which is right now swelling up over my voice, is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes. Heroes.